Hi everyone, welcome to The Influential Times, episode 6. My name is Alistair Wheat and I'm joined by... Jack Morel-Paolo, Head of Influencer Strategy here, uh, joining Alistair to uh, have a little bit of a chat about upcoming trends in social media and share some of our predictions for next year. Very exciting. Yes. So, uh, Jack, tell me, what do you think has been happening in the world of influence marketing, social media, that's particularly piqued your interest in the last couple of weeks? I think probably the the kind of the thing that I found most interesting in terms of the the long-term evolution of, of social media, I guess there's been two moves uh, in the last couple of weeks by Twitter. They're rolling out, letting people follow topics. So I think, you know, that, that suggests they're worried maybe about the impact of people self-selecting news sources uh, and, and information. They're kind of trying to help people get maybe both sides of the debate on things. Um, so I think, you know, in a B2B context or, or in a sort of thought leadership context, this this is hopefully going to be good news for smaller creators because I think it's going to give them a better chance of, of showing up if someone follows, you know, for example, cloud or sustainability as a topic. We might start to see, um, you know, people kind of getting, getting content surfaced to them from creators they haven't heard of. So it's not dependent on your, your existing network. So I, I think that could be interesting. The other sort of side note, which is really just a, uh, one to watch at the minute is, is Jack Dorsey announced, I think last night that he's going to, he's kind of setting up a, an independent, uh, working group to, to look at a sort of universal open standard for, for social media. Um, so. And he's heading off to Africa. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes, but I don't know if you agree with me, Alistair, on the, on the topic thing. Do you think it's going to be good for smaller creators? Leave us all in the same place. Well, it also, changes a bit the way that um, people might want to look at influencers because often it's been about trying to find people who have an audience and the influencers value add has been people that they have following them whereas the switch to making it more of a topic-based discovery means that it may be more important to find people who are good uh, at creating content on a specific topic and get engagement on that topic because that'll be what drives you know, that, that particular content appearing in the topic feed. So they may not have a, a large following, but if they're very impactful when it comes to conversations on a specific topic, it could also just be to do with people who are, I think, very reactive and quick at putting together, you know, a thoughtful comment. Um, so people who are followed because there's an expectation of them having a comment whenever something happens, because Twitter's very instant and reactive. You know, hmm. go to Twitter, look for a topic because it's happening now. So I think it might change the way, well, hopefully it will change the way in which brands think about who they consider influential and maybe who they want to work with as, a, as someone who would derive eyeballs during a particular focus on a topic. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. So what are your, what's been the thing that's kind of caught your eye recently? Uh, well, it's been interesting to see uh, this continuation of uh, Instagram's experiment to hide likes. Uh, they're now you know, rolling it out even within within more, more countries um so we were expecting this to happen um you know the uh it's not completely widespread now but i think the, the realization is amongst influencers that this is happening and it's going to stay and obviously the pitch from instagram has been that it's all about you know mental health and uh, people having a better social media experience and so forth but i think we know that this is also about commercial drivers and about them having more control of their data is going to require brands to, you know, basically 
get the data from Instagram if they want to know what's happening with Instagram influencers. There's been some um, talk about uh, some Instagram influencers taking screenshots and then doctoring those screenshots because the influencers themselves can see how much engagement they're getting on a post. Mm. But people outside can't do it. So they're then taking screenshots and sending it to brands saying, oh, look how much engagement I'm getting. But then they're apparently some of them have been manipulating those images, doctoring them to fake it. Um, and obviously Instagram's desire is that all of that information will come through their API. So it can't be faked. But this you know, still just means it's, it's more control for Instagram. People can't scrape the data. People can't see the data unless they're getting it from their API. So if at some point Twitter, uh, Instagram want to switch the tap off for third parties, it's quite easy for them to do so. If they want to force brands to go via their own mechanism, um, they have to. So uh, I think that's something we'll see more of in the coming year is Instagram gradually turning the dial so that brands are forced to get the data from from their own source, from their own uh, solutions that they're going to be building more and more and potentially squeezing out the, the vendor marketplace in the process. So that's one thing I, th- I think will is, was interesting to see how it's panning out and I think we'll just continue in that trend for 2020. How about, how about you, any seeing as it's end of the year, any predictions for next year? I mean, I think that the, the like hiding thing is interesting. I guess everyone's been saying for a really long time that, that those are broadly vanity metrics and that, you know, we, we shouldn't be worrying about them anyway. So maybe it'll sort of force that, that conversation, um, in a sort of product influencer marketing context. We'll start thinking, is this person driving sales? Are they driving clicks through to my page? Uh, and in more of an industry, context even we'll still be thinking really what what's the kind of underlying result so maybe it's gonna maybe if if the other social networks follow suit maybe maybe that'll sort of force a bit more of a um a bit more of a change in the industry so i think i definitely agree that it's that's going to sort of centralize control for for instagram it's interesting to see you know linkedin obviously have their data um, pretty, pretty securely behind a wall. You know, it's pretty hard to, to sort of figure out what's, what's going on with the campaign, even if the, the sort of engagement data is still public. Um, you can't sort of see what third parties, you know, how third party posts about you really perform particularly well. So I guess a, a kind of a, a couple of things is as that, as that happens, I think we might start to see, we're going to see more influencers thinking about how they can, really just solidify their their kind of i guess independent platforms you know every time there's an algorithm change i just think it reinforces for everyone that you know maybe some of the the social platforms are uh, you know they're they're subject to change and their businesses that are trying to they're trying to drive profit for themselves and for uh, for their shareholders and they're going to do kind of what's in their best overall interest not necessarily what's in individual sort of groups of creators best interest so you know we we're, we're kind of seeing the rise of um, more people trying to create an independent um, platform, and and as uh, as our friend Scott Guthrie says, kind of not build on rented land. So make sure you've got your own blog, your own domain, um, or even on a platform like Medium, you know, having your own um, having your own ind- independent platform. There, um, the story that kind of really caught my eye about this recently was the one that was doing the rounds about how this chap who was kind of running a a university college campus based uh, Instagram account called uh, State Snaps based out of Iowa State University 
ended up getting sort of, he got beaten to his chosen URL name. He wanted uh, doitforstate.com to be his uh, website. Someone else beat him to it and he ended up trying to extort the other guy uh, who, who sort of beat him to it. They happened to live in the same city in Iowa and he ended up sending his cousin around with a gun to try and get them to, to sort of transfer the, the domain across and it all ended up with, yeah. 14 years in, in jail, someone's, I think it's, it's being appealed, but I think emphasizes how valuable people feel having that is. 14 years in jail.com is still free though, isn't it? Well, yeah, presumably. Maybe, maybe he can Instagram from his, uh, from his jail cell or something. I don't know how stringent they are about that, about that kind of thing. Yeah. Do it for the clout. Um, what about you? What are your kind of future gazing? Yeah, it's actually interesting you mentioned Medium because it's been a rough year for them. Um, sort of throughout the year, there's been a steady stream of publishers wanting to leave Medium and then talking pu- quite publicly about their reasons to do so. So uh, it's largely been driven by you know Medium's commercial model and the comment made was that it was less about what Medium could do for the the content creators are more about what they could do for medium. So, uh, um, I think it, there was one big story, uh, in the signal versus noise, uh, you know, made a big splash about their desire to leave the platform. And, uh, the year before that, there was a similar thing with influencers when they were kind of being forced to switch to business or creative profiles. And that, that's a trend that's continued the last year as well. So I guess Instagram yeah. are, are sort of doing the same as well. Making, yeah. Making those business pages. Yeah, so I, I I actually hope that that will be a trend in 2020 that people will invest more in their own sites and their own um, platforms rather than relying on some other system to do it for them and then that, system, that other party or that other platform just deciding one day to suddenly change the way they do things and try and get more money uh, or just to change their policies so that the data is no longer um, shareable. Um, so I really hope that that will be a trend that we'll see in 2020, that more people will invest in their own uh, websites, their own blogs, their own social channels. And it be interesting, interesting to see this experiment with, with Twitter, whether that means that that's going to be less something that you know, Twitter might just turn around one day and change how they do things. And everyone who's built up a profile on Twitter suddenly gets stuffed in the same way. So if that can become a, a real sort of safe haven for people, that would be great. Hmm. I think certainly anecdotally, it feels like we're seeing more you know, creators sort of independent thought leaders or analysts that are definitely just thinking as much as possible how they can, now how do they diversify um, the platforms they're on? So even if it's just, you know, they're big on LinkedIn, maybe they're going to start to um, build a platform on, on Twitter as well. Um, just from a very sort of basic point of view, not having all your eggs in one basket is probably the, the, the wise way to go. And obviously, you know, being conscious of where your your audiences are and, and what kind of audience you're trying to reach is obviously still important. And those those social networks do still have that advantage. You know, LinkedIn is the it's the it's the business networking platform. But I don't know. Um, yeah, people are just going to hedge their bets more. It's interesting as well the whole disclosure piece um, and kind of uh, tr- uh, advertising guidelines, uh, FTC in the US, particularly driving this forward in the ASA in the UK. Um, with, for example, Instagram now, when someone posts and it will have, when a business or creator profile posts something that based on their algorithm looks like it's a product push, there's kind of a little nudge to say, Oh, you know, don't you need to disclose this? So that's, that's really coming from, I think it's only Instagram that's got that kind of automated prompt to disclose. I'd be interested, interesting to see whether LinkedIn starts to do something similar. 
The whole disclosure piece in the B2B space, though, is still very undefined because most of the um, disclosure policies uh, has been has been focused on the B2C space, uh, where it's much more of an obvious kind of transactional thing of someone's being paid to promote a product. Whereas in the B2B space, it's it's not as straightforward and obviously transactional. Uh, so I, I I would hope as well, um, this is partly based upon feedback we've had from clients who are starting to work more directly with uh, regulators, uh, especially in, in Europe, where they are trying to get clarity about what the guidelines should be in the B2B environment. Because it's not as not simply going to be the case of just transposing the B2C regulate, regulatory framework to the B2B world. Uh, I don't think it should be. So that'll be something that will be interesting to watch 2020, see how much clarity we get from regulators about disclosure in an influence marketing context for B2B. Mm, yeah, for sure. There's there's two people actually who who I kind of want to shout out in this in this context. Um, someone I met back in uh, September who's who's kind of working in the energy sector um, called called Kevin O'Donovan. He's uh, an influencer on on energy. Um, although, as he'll tell you, he he prefers the term storyteller. Um, but he he created a a video not long ago, kind of explaining what his policy for for disclosure is explaining to uh, his audience effectively in a very direct way how he's flagging the posts where he's there in in a sort of official capacity mm-hmm. with a brand and a brand is is paying for that and flagging the ones where he's actually um you know where where it's kind of just something that he's doing off his own bat so i know some youtubers historically have done that sort of thing have created videos where they explain how you know something like AdSense, the sort of YouTube monetization platform, works, and, and explain that. But I mean, hopefully, something like that, you know, maybe feels a little bit closer to what's appropriate in in the B two B space. Where as long as people make clear what their relationship is is to the brands, we're not going to sort of have to have to see the same, um, you know, very very sort of strict guidelines um, around around sort of thought leadership content. And the second person is. Um, is Rupa Shah, who's, who's been creating really great video on LinkedIn. She's, um, talking a lot about, you know, the new regulatory developments. And I, I can say for sure, I've definitely learned, uh, a lot from watching her video. So, um, yeah, shout out to those two who I think are, are kind of, um, hopefully going to be good examples for us to point to in the, in the year ahead. Yeah. She's just talking about that, uh, desire to not be called influencer and be called storyteller. That's another interesting point about uh, what word people use um, to describe themselves or what what brands would use or vendors will use when describing the space because there's been another change this last year in that people the number of people searching for the phrase influence marketing has actually gone down for the first time. And I think that's not because influencer marketing is becoming less popular or you know, people are less interested. It's probably a reflection instead of a change in the vocabulary that's used to describe influencers. So especially think of the last year, it's becoming, I'm seeing it more and more vendor websites now. Um, and also some influencer profiles where, you know, the word is creator because people want to call themselves a creator rather than an influencer. Partly because of all of this stuff around influencer fraud, um, which we've, you know, had a lot of over the last couple of years um, and so influence is almost becoming a bit of a dirty word it can also just be assumed to be that it's someone who's just paid to uh, you know be, a, be a, a, a shill for a brand and we certainly see this as one in the b2b space there's quite a lot of people that we would say are 
B2B influencers because they are influential B2B topics and they really do not like to be called influencers because uh, they see it as being you know, a negative word. Um, the problem though is that no one can really agree on what word we should all use instead. So I think in the B2C space, creators becoming quickly, uh, particularly popular. Um, but in the B2B world, people are not really creators necessarily. They, you know, they are consultants or they are thought leaders, but there's no sort of single word. So sometimes analyst or analyst, independent yeah. analyst, that yeah, kind of who thing. Who knows? All sorts of different things. I mean, we still will talk about them as influencers just because it, it just makes our life a bit easier. But, uh, I, I hope that what we'll see at some point in the coming year, sooner rather than later, hopefully, is some kind of agreement within the industry about what to call these people. So people who are influential on a topic and they, they matter to brands, uh, they matter to you know all sorts of other organizations, politically or in, in academia, and we can have some way of describing them that isn't the word influencer that's going to cause confusion and people thinking, oh, they're just you know waiting around to get paid by brand to say something that they don't really believe is true. Um, yeah, so that's so there's been that change in the search trend. I think that's driven by the change in vocabulary rather than a drop in interest. And I really hope that we can somehow, as an industry, agree what to what to use instead of that word influencer. Mm, yeah, I'd be interested to know if if, um, if anyone's heard any other ones. I think other than the ones we've mentioned, you know, key opinion leader, thought leader, consultant, analyst. Um, I'm sure there must be others. So uh, track us down on on Twitter and let us know if there's other ones that you've. Um, that you've come across, but yeah, I, I sort of think key opinion leader maybe seems like a seems like it has a good chance of breaking through. Yeah. I guess it's industry people who I've heard using that. You know, the way the influencers themselves self describe might not necessarily catch on, but I sort of feel if if industry people, um, maybe I'm just blowing blowing our horn there, um, overestimating how how important we are in in driving <laughs> this, but. Uh, hope springs eternal. Um, that that maybe yeah that will be the maybe that would be the, the the kind of the key factor. Yeah. So answers on our postcards. Send them into us um, at Analytica. What should we call influencers instead of influencers? <laughs> Keep <laughs> it holy and try. Yes, and try and get everyone else to use the same word, so we can all know what we're talking about. Yeah. So so we don't have to. We don't all have to panic about influencer marketing going going down in Google Trends. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I think you're right about what's what's causing it. So um, I'm not seeing any kind of slowdown in the number of brands interested in doing this. Um, you know, there, there's still lots of interest from from people in this as a tactic. I just think we're sort of seeing a little bit of a realignment maybe as people um, try and think how not to sort of just buy into hype, but how do they practically incorporate it into into business as usual? And I think that's going to sort of, yeah, that's going to bring about a bit of a shift in uh, naming customs and, and that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, so that's it f- from us for this episode. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Christmas season now. So I hope you all have a, a great holiday and uh, we will speak again with you in the new year. Yes. See you in 2020, everyone. Bye. Bye.